0: All right, so, interact with me. Keep me awake as I keep you awake, okay? We're in this together. We're going to stay awake this morning. We're going to engage with God's Word. In sports, what's halftime? Middle? All right, what's it for? What do you do at halftime? Snacks. All right. <laughs> rest. Rest? Okay, halftime can be for rest. That's not what the team does. The team gets into the room and they all discuss what they're going to do next, what they've done wrong, what they're going to do right. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. Yeah. For us, it's a bathroom break. <laughs> for them, it's quick. Come up with a plan. <laughs> We're in trouble. Got to make it work. What else? Halftime. What's it used for in sports? Basketball, halftime. Football, halftime. Hockey's got too many halftimes. <laughs> what do you do in halftime? If you're the coach, what do you do? Make adjustments. make adjustments you want to be a second half team right doesn't matter if you start amazing anybody watch the Super Bowl with the Atlanta Falcons it doesn't matter if you start amazing it's how you finish don't get credit for the score at halftime hey you're wearing the shirt for it excellent way to represent I brought Steve as my object lesson today thank you thank you Holy Spirit was saying put on this shirt yeah, I love it I love it yeah the halftime is for adjustments we want to be a second half team always in every sport. And even if you started well, you can't just stop at halftime. But, like, that was great because the other team's not stopping. And if we know anything about Scripture, it's that there is God and the forces of righteousness, and there is Satan and the forces of evil, and they are in opposition, and it is a fight. And trust me, if you go to sleep at halftime, you're going to lose at the end of the game because the other team's not stopping. No one's stopping to fight against you. And if we don't keep fighting that fight as Christians, we're going to find ourselves losing ground. The points on the scoreboard are going to start shifting. So it's July, it's halftime. It's literally halftime for 2022. And I want to use this Sunday as a halftime. We're the team. I'm not the coach, Jesus is the coach, God is the team owner. We play. All of us play, and we play different positions. But this is literally halftime. It's half year, mid-year. I want to look at someone who in Scripture wasn't daunted by the fact that they started with the Lord way later in life. And did amazing things with Him. Very familiar person, and I really just want to focus on the fact that their halftime wasn't quite in the middle of their life. A couple of years earlier than that, but um, what if they had never played the second half? What does this halftime mentality mean for us in terms of age? Whatever the average age life expectancy is now, middle age, just 40, 45, I guess, somewhere in there maybe. So what would happen if we just felt like, man, we had a great run, and we're like 50? And what happens after that? What's the, what, is, what can halftime mean in terms of retirement? What if you, your career ending, the job that you've been in, is like halftime? And you're Like, what did I learn in that thing? And what am I going to do with that? Instead of just, I'm glad that's over. What if it's not an ending? What if it's halftime? What does it mean for long marriages? We want all of our marriages to be long and healthy, right? If they go for a long time, whatever that middle point will be, do you look back and you're like, ugh. Oh, we played better in the first half. We're slipping in the second half. Or you're looking at it you're like, I love the second half of this marriage game. This is way better. We're way better at this. We've been playing this game so long. Look at this. You know how to work as a team. What does this halftime mentality mean for students? You finish high school. Where are some of our graduates moving on, right? We've got a former graduates, some other graduates, recent, recent what if instead of graduation it's like a halftime adjustment who were you in high school and who do you want to be as a young adult put hope right on the spot here it's it's a question for you now hopefully it's not the half point in your life but if you have that mentality like let's just stop for a second and think about what worked and think about what didn't and instead of having that feeling like oh crap we look back and all the things we wish we would have done and didn't do instead of that like i've still got time To play this game the right way. So what can I learn? Because I just don't want to do all that stuff all over again. How embarrassing and how discouraging to play the second half exactly like the first half. Never learn, never grow, never succeed, never thrive, never try that thing. What does it mean for people who feel God's calling? What if the career you're in right now is not the one he wants you in next? At whatever stage of life you're in. Are you willing call it halftime, like blow the whistle and be like, we're going to stop this. I think it's time to start something new. This is what we rely upon God for. And as I I really want to do with our times together on Sundays, I don't want to keep them theoretical. I don't just want to keep them theological, although I want them to be theologically rooted and sound. I want them to be things that we engage in together. And so I literally have a worksheet for you with 10 lines. I'm going to hand it out as soon as we read this story from this person in scripture and kind of meditate on that for a moment. And one by one, we're going to write in something, some aspect of the Christian life. And I have them here, so I'll give it to you. Write it in and then circle a number. How did it go for the first half of 2022? And then what are we praying about for the second half? If there's no reflection, there's no wisdom. Wisdom is like insight. You gotta know where you've been. But if there's no planning, there's nothing new. Nothing new is just gonna happen. Well, maybe all bad new will happen, because again, we've got a team working against us, but the good new things, they're gonna be us and the coach, us and Jesus, being like, all right, what's the strategy? I got this wide receiver over here and he keeps getting locked down. How can I get around that cornerback? What do we do? And God's like, well, just run a slant, obviously. (laughs) And so you're right, I'm going to run a slant with my kids. I'm going to run a slant with my boss. I'm going to run a slant with my prayer life. And just figure out what that zig means instead of the zag or instead of just against the brick wall. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Maybe go around it. Maybe try that for the second half. We want to be a second half team. And so scripture will speak to this. You'll see what I mean immediately. This is not complicated, but it is Profound, And I want to be a second half team in 2022. Think about our church. We've had quite a first half. Literally on January 1st, that's when we got introduced to the concept of the center. January 3rd, we're being made an offer. Like the first half, we're probably getting blitzed. If you want to put it in a football terminal. Like just like a constant blitz for like six months. We're kind of still in that mode. So do we just say, well, this is what life is. We're always going to feel life is going too fast and we're overwhelmed. We don't know what to do. Like, No. Oh. You can counter a blitz. all right? Enough for football terminology, but like, you don't have to just keep doing what we've been doing to say, where have we been? What does God want? Where are we going, church? Where are you going? Where's your faith going? Where's your relationships going? Where's your money going? Where's your time going? Where's your parenting going? Where's your evangelism going? And it doesn't matter if we're not there yet because we've got time. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, and Jesus doesn't come tomorrow, we've got time. So I want to use it. I want to use the second half of 2022 in ways that I couldn't have even imagined in the first half. But because of what this first half has looked like, life-changing, literally, for me, for us, there are thoughts I have now at halftime that I didn't have in January. Cool. All right. I want to put them into play. I want you to put them into play. It's not the same. It's not the same score. The score is not the same as when we started the year, and so we need to adjust. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, or just listen, because I will read it for you. There's this guy, we call him, Father Abraham, had many sons. this guy, right, Father of all, Father Abraham. Didn't start as Abraham, started as Abram. His first half, he had a different name. Does that bear some reflection? God wanted to use him so differently in the second half of his life that he renamed the guy. Instead of just the father, he's the father of many. You're not just a dad to your family. We're going big, Abraham. That's what God said to him. In Genesis chapter 12, we meet him at halftime. And we see how he responded to the coach's instructions. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, the Lord coached him up. The Lord called him out at this point in his life. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And to him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so Abraham went. He did something different for the rest of his life. Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Others went with him. They saw he was heading into the second half differently, and they went. Now Abraham was how old? 75. 75. Half time for him. 75. 75. We're trying to, like, hang in there at 75 and hope we can still golf at 75 or fish at 75 or still, like, tie our shoes at 75. Abraham's starting his second half at 75. So what does this mean for our mentality of, like, youth and vitality and vibrance and, like, go get them and the races to the young? What about all that when God says, Abram, you're 75. I'm going to make you a great nation, but you can't stay where you are you got to do something different. And he just did it. And that's the simplicity of Abraham. That's why he's praised all throughout Scripture. It was just a simple thing, even though it meant uprooting his entire family. It's just, oh, okay, God said go, we go. And if we can keep it that simple, when God leads us, he'll lead us to the amazing things that he has because he knows what's best. But just meditate on that for a second. Abraham was 75 years old And God said, we're going to do a new thing. Don't turn there because I want to go further in Genesis. But can I remind you of how Abraham was praised in Hebrews 11? It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. But by faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of that same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations and whose designer and builder is God. That's what he was going for. God said, I have something I'm bringing you to. Verse 10 again, I'll read it and then we'll move forward. But let it sink in. Abram was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. (laughs) Halftime is not about us coming up with our own plan for the second half. If the sports team comes in and everybody comes in with their own plan, it's not going to work. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's the team that accomplishes the task and it's the coach that says, this is how we will do this together. So, Abram wasn't saying, I've got a great idea. He's saying, I'm following, and I want to see this city that God can build. Whose designer and builder is God. So, flip forward. Genesis chapter 25. We have this, and then one quick verse in Joshua, and then that'll be the scriptures that we can, we can chew on. But Genesis 25, 7. This is simply his epitaph. Abraham, now renamed for the second half of his life, <clears throat> it says in Genesis 25, 7, these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, 175. Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, a man, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. So he lived to 175, and at 75 is when God called him in. So like I said, it's not an exact split of 50-50, but... What do you think Abraham was doing before 75? We know what God calls him to, right? Go and make a nation. My name, my people, God says, go, my city, my... So what do you think it was before? It was just whatever anybody else was doing that was around Abraham it was what his family was doing it was what the culture around him was doing it was what he had come up with he didn't get God's call until he got God's call so before that he was just living as those around him were and this is what we see in Joshua 24 so let me read this for you feel free to flip if you want it's just a couple of verses but in Joshua 24, there's this like ratification of the covenant after they've got into the promised land. And Joshua's looking back over all this time. He's kind of doing a halftime sort of reminder review and then commissioning into the promised land and, and the years that would follow of the kings, the judges and the kings. Um, but in Joshua 24, verse 2, Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Abraham was an idol worshiper before he was a God worshiper because what else could he know? And there's no such thing in that culture of just like doing your own thing. If his father and grandfather and people around him and brothers, if this is what they worshipped, it doesn't specifically say his name, but it's what Abraham did as well. So he, in the midst of idol worship, Has God show up and say, I'm God, not these other? I would like to do a new thing. And he just drops everything and goes. This is such a hopeful statement. It means we can be in the middle of just the worst decisions we've ever made, in the middle of serving all our own little gods and false idols, in the middle of all our sin, and God steps in and says, Okay, it's halftime. Are you going to learn from those mistakes? Do you recognize my voice when I call? You see how this feels? This is different than when you pray to that idol who's just a wooden statue and nothing happens. This is me. This is God. Abraham responded, but he didn't just come from like, Hey, I'm a great guy, and now we're going to follow this great God. He did not about-face. And that's what halftime is for as well. We learn from our mistakes. We confess them, we admit them, and we just... Submit ourselves to whatever it is that God has. It's okay if the first half is filled with a bunch of trial and error and mistakes that we can look back and be like, oh, I see how God led us through all that. But the second half, when you're starting with intention, use the things we've learned. Use them all. Don't just repeat our same mistakes. So Abraham here is not just a willing follower He's willing to drop the things when he recognizes those were not good for me. So what are all the things that idol worship required? You had to give your your money and give your food. A lot of times there was sexuality requirements. There was like this whole culture built around idol worship. Excuse me. And um, he's like, okay, I won't use my money the way I used to. All right, I won't sacrifice offerings and food the way that I used to. I won't eat the way that I used to. Maybe some things that I used to eat that now I won't eat. I won't worship the way I used to. Like he, he recognized that these things that he had grown up feeling like, sure. When God said, no, it's me, he's going to have to leave all those things behind. That's why the promised land wasn't just like next door. It was a new place with a new way and a new culture and God's values and God's ideals. And it's going to take that from us if we want a second half to look holy. It's going to take us saying, in this first part of my life or this last season of my life, I was terrible with how I handled alcohol. What do I want? What does God want? God, tell me what your design and your build and your foundation looks like for that in the next half of my life, the next season of my life. You may look at it in terms of relationships. You're like, man, I just made a mess of a bunch of relationships. Well, let's confess that, leave that behind, and move to something else. God offers us this. What an amazing God to offer us do-overs, try-agains, mulligans, second chances, 15th chances. He wants to redeem. He wants to restore. We need to obey. So Abraham is like, yeah, I want that. And it's going to require a whole reprioritization of my life, how I spend every hour of every day, every dollar of every income, how I raise my children, how I worship. Talk about singing before, I was teasing you all, like sing it out. Like How do we sing? How do we pray? How worn out are the, 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 the knees of our jeans from kneeling in prayer beside our beds? Like That's what we want the second half to look like. That's what it can look like. It's what God calls us to. The end of this chapter, I want to read these last couple of verses, and then I'll hand out the worksheets and we will think together. We will let the Holy Spirit speak to us, convict the world of of truth and righteousness, convict us of the truth. But in Joshua 24, he's talking about all these things that have come before, and he's talking to the people as part of the same speech where Abraham used to live, serving other gods. And he gets to, like, the meat of it. He's getting ramped up in his sermon. He's, he's talking. He's moving his hands. He's getting louder. Verse 12, he's speaking on behalf of God. God says, I sent the hornet before you, Israel, which drove out the people before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and I gave you cities you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness and put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if this is not good, if this is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land we now dwell. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve others. If we're going to grow, there has to be confession involved. Because if we're going to grow, it means there's something better than where we were. And there's something better than where we were, it means something wrong with where we were or something limited in where we were, something falling short of where we were. Because if we're perfect already, we don't need halftime. Just keep doing what you're doing. Doing great, team. Hang in there. But that's none of our experience. It's not mine. It's not yours. So the key to halftime is saying, God, what do I need to confess? Because guess what? God's been perfect the whole first half. We haven't. God's been powerful the whole first half. We haven't always. God's had perfect faithfulness. We haven't always. So it's not a matter of what can I do better? It's like, man, God, you've been great. You were right there with me every step of the way. I've got to get some stuff off my chest. Will you please forgive me for these things? Even if they weren't willful, even if they were ignorantly done, when our eyes become open, we're like, oh, God, I'm sorry. I never realized that. I fell short in that way. Okay, if there's going to be growth, it has to happen through confession. Because you're not going to tell God anything he doesn't already know. And you can't make him better than he already is. So it's going to be improvement. It's going to be in us. And that requires confession. So this people confess their allegiance to the Lord. They confess the leaving of all idols. In America, the, the easy idols to point out are the love of money. Everything's about money, right? You want to know why a decision get made? Like follow the money, right? We say it a thousand times. Like what, who's invested in this? Why why are oil prices going up? Where's the money leading? What's like everything just like we think that way. But also it's prized. Wow, it's a great paying job. Wow, got this vacation home. The money is a value. Money is an idol. People in our country absolutely worship money, absolutely. But it, it's paper. It's nothing. So, what are you worshiping? Your hard work? The fact that things worked out? God's like, I'm going to bring you food. I'm going to bring you houses you didn't have to worry about. I'm going to bring you, like, I'm going to provide for you. So, if you're worshiping money, you're saying that I didn't do that for you. Oh, okay. So, you want to do it on your own. You don't think I deserve any credit for where you were born the education, you have the mind, you have the opportunities, you got the job, you got the, the success. You've, that's not God right? So even in this pursuit of like living and career and whatever, it can be us. And if we want to see the second half be miraculous, well, then it just can't be us because we're not all that great. I'm not all that great. I can't be miraculous. But if we want the second half to look like something off the pages of scripture, we're going to have to get in line with God, which means we're going to have to make sure it's about him. So all these idols, sex is an idol in our country so much running after pursuing it say sex sells so there you go money and sex going right together is that really what we want to pin all of our hopes on is that the point of our lives are we for nothing more does the way that we live as sexual beings reflect god is it a testimony to the world Is, is it holy is it beautiful is it something different Or is it just full of the same hurts and baggage and mistakes as everybody else? Well, then that's a halftime adjustment that needs to be made. That whether single or engaged or dating or divorced or young or old or anywhere in between, that we say, I want my sexuality however I'm wrestling with it, however it's easy or good or hard or bad, to reflect the Lord. So the second half, your sexuality has to be a God kind of thing. Not a you kind of thing. We've got plenty of examples from the world of their kind of way of going. It just usually ends in a mess. So, okay, fine. Maybe we started out that way. Maybe it's been a mess. This is where we decide today. Choose whom you will serve. Will you serve the concept of sex as the world has force-fed it to you? You can. That's fine. Plenty of people are. But how's it going for you? Are you winning? Are you losing? What do you want it to look like? Well, then, as for our family this day, let's just ask God that question. It's not a simple question. It's not like, oh, here it is. It's like very different. All different circumstances, all different. But it's the right question if we want the second half to look amazing. Because we want it to look like God. Because he's amazing. So money, sexuality, easy ones to pick on. There are a million more, but those are idols that you have grown up and I have grown up here in America. Maybe those who haven't grown up in America can speak differently to how it is in other countries. I can't speak to that. I'd love to talk about that though. How does India as a country idolize sexuality or money? I wonder if it's the same across every culture or if it's unique. I'd love to talk about that with you guys. Um, But we know what it's like for us. So it's a Jordan River moment. (laughs) Which side do you want to stay on? That's what halftime is for. So if everyone, I'll just pass these around, but if you don't have a pen, maybe Steve, could I ask you, because you're my walking example, uh, to get the pen basket from the back. I'm going to grab one of these and ask you to pass these along. This isn't a terribly long exercise, even though it feels like an entire blank page. It's it's more just it's meant to be pointed, like specific versus lengthy. So don't be too scared when you look at it. Don't get scared, people. Don't get scared. I need a pen. For those of you that have been kind of walking alongside me personally as a pastor these last five, six years, you know, you've heard me talking about uh, Scrum and how it's used in businesses and how God's been giving me ideas um, organizationally for a church using that organizational structure. Um, This is sort of something that happens within that process as well. There's constant feedback, constant stop every day, every week. We stop every year, every project. And I want us to be like that. I don't want us to kind of like merrily skipping along and then we get like 10 years down a road like oh man (laughs) like failed to take advantage of so many of the opportunities that were there for 10 years let's do it for a week how about we fail for a week and then fix it week two versus stumble along for five years and then fix it for the next five we can shorten our learning cycle and so that's this attempt for me and for us this morning all right, so can we read the scripture at the top together aloud, please, before uh, we do anything further let 's read that aloud, Church. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. God has made everything beautiful in its time. There is nothing better than to be joyful and to do good as long as we live, and that everyone should eat and drink and drink and take pleasure in all their work. This is god 's gift to mankind so the first one I want you to write in is intimate prayer not just prayer that's too easy intimate prayer personal you know write that in and think back over the last six months this is halftime evaluation for 2022 and circle what you feel like your own walk with the Lord has looked like own effectiveness and it can be great it can be poor it's not a judgment it's a reflection reflect and just circle one of those numbers I've been praying for us that the Holy Spirit would lead us uh, I'll even say that prayer right now for us in this place Holy Spirit we know that you give wisdom help the evil one not to make us feel like we are worse than we are and help our pride and ego not to make us think that we are better than we are give us uh, accurate evaluations so that we can turn to you and have uh, specific growth in these specific areas. So please give us insight, Holy Spirit, your wisdom into these things. May we learn, may we reflect, may we glory in your goodness as we reflect on the fact that we are not perfect and that is part of your plan. Please sanctify us even through this worksheet this morning and this time. And In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so intimate prayer. How intimate has your prayer been this year up to now with you and with Jesus? The second one, serving others. It can look like so many things. I know with Serve Home, we often think serving like hammer and nails. It's not that. Who have you helped? We can use our gifts. It could just be being there. It could be giving someone rides to appointments. It could be anything. How have we been? The third one, Christian Friendship. And I phrase this a little bit differently than just fellowship, right? That's the more common Christian phrase. How are you doing with your Christian buddies? Is it there? Do you have Christian friends? Is it close? Four. Scripture enjoyment bible enjoyment if you want to abbreviate i know i didn't give you a ton of space and we're just all writing in the first lines there down the left side obviously leaving the blanks on the right bible enjoyment how you enjoy in scripture these days is it that season where you're like ah, i gotta read more or like that was amazing or is it gotta read my bible today it's both for us at different times in our life we can laugh about it because it's true but how is it how's our bible enjoyment Five, self-control. How is this fruit of the Spirit showing itself in how late we stay up binge-watching shows and how much we drink and how much we eat and whether we tame our tongue instead of saying something quickly in um, impulse buying, uh, in... uh, um, Addiction, you know, any things that want to control us or pull at us, how is the Holy Spirit's control mechanism within us, controlling us, how's that feeling these days, is it low, is it high, is it good? Six, leading people to Jesus, you're going to have to do a couple of lines, I know I don't give you space for that, but there's no better way to say it, leading people to Jesus. Who are you leading to Jesus? Who are you telling about him? Who are you praying for that they'll come to Jesus? Who are you inviting to church? Who are you giving a tract to? If you're Art Stratton, it's every human you're coming contact with. But that's not all of us. There better be somebody, though, that you're giving something to sometime. All right? He knows his gifts. That's a man who knows how to pursue his gifts. Um, but we're all called to just lead people to Jesus. Who are you praying for? Who are you talking to? You're like, hey, Bible's got some great advice on that thing you're struggling with. Can we talk about it? Lead people to Jesus. All right, just a few more. Seven. Managing money. How's it going? Is your money stretching? Is it multiplying? Is it feeling favored by God? Is it dwindling? Is it it disappearing? Are you under the waterline? Are you over it? Um, does some of your money go to helping people? Does some of your money go to um, charitable giving? Does some of your money go overseas? Does some of your money um, go to homeless people as you walk by? Like, what do you do with your, your cash? What do, you, what do you do with that? Does some of it go into savings? Does some of it go into any number of things? Because that needs to be a God thing. Our money needs to be a God thing. Eight, pursuing dreams. How are we doing pursuing dreams? We're obviously as a church pursuing some dreams that God has been leading us towards for years, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about here. It could be part of it. If for you, part of the center in the movie is like pursuing a dream, then by all means, that qualifies. Um, but there's also other parts of our lives. We're like, I've been dreaming about this, praying for that, feeling called. I feel God calling me in this direction. Have we pursued it in the first half? We got to halftime. How have we been pursuing dreams? Yes? No? Middle of the road? Don't know? All right, nine, supporting others. And by this I mean like encouragement, I mean being there for others. This could be advice giving, this could be teaching skills to someone, this could be listening, this could be lots of talks over lots of lattes. over a long period of time, supporting them as they go through something, as they question something. Are we supporting others? Because we're not supposed to be about ourselves. Humility, consider others better than yourself. So a lot of our lives need to be just like helping the people around us. So as we look at the first half of the year, has it been more about us or has it been more about others? It should be more about others with us as like a baseline, a minimum level of ability and the rest given away. Last one, trusting God. Here's our faith piece. Trusting God. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. Look back over six months, like how do I even summarize or generalize? It's it's okay. Just pick a number. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to a thought. How have we been doing trusting God? Have there been moments we have, moments we haven't? Are we learning more about what it looks like? We're being forced to be in a very trusting God sort of season as a church. So has that been part of a growth thing for any of us? Or has it worked the opposite? Changes are so big right now that it's hard to trust God. Either way, is a learning lesson. Um, But how has it been going? How has it been going? All right, then go ahead and add them up. Anybody who's good with numbers, just do it. Or if you want to use your phone, like me, I'm going to do it. See what it looks like overall. You don't have to share your score or your number or whatever, but mine was 79. So something's working, things not. Something's room for improvement. Something's good at times, but not enough overall. I know some of you are still calculating that. If you don't get all the way to it, if you don't get the numbers down, that's okay. You can do it later. But what I think will have happened for you, I know it's happened for me, even just doing this exercise with you, on a couple of these lines, not all of them, because not all these things are like the most pressing thing for all of us at this moment. But I guarantee there's been at least one or two things that we have gone through, be like, I need to be doing this. Go back to that line and write it in on the right. That's the thing that God is telling you this morning you need to pursue. We don't have to have all the answers and all the strategy for all 10 things for the whole second half, but there will be things that we know already. That's how you leave the locker room with what we know already. So if there's one or two things, you look back over the list, they should pop right out. That's what we prayed for. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He speaks God's wisdom to us. not feel discouraged. Do not feel discouraged. Maybe your final score is like a twenty-one. Maybe it's a ninety-nine, anywhere in between. The grade isn't meant to say this is what your identity is. You slacker, you're a forty-two. Like where in scripture does God ever treat us that way? Prodigal son, prodigal daughter, the father's always there. We're just the one that has to do the returning. God's been perfect while we've been scoring whatever points we've been scoring. He's been perfect the entire time. He's had all the power and all the wisdom the entire time that we haven't taken advantage of it. So he's not worried about the second half. And we don't need to be either. This is an opportunity. This should be something that actually invigorates us. Michelle and I have talked a bunch in regarding parenting. And, um, fixed mindset and growth mindset teachers know all about this far more than we do but we've kind of like dabbled in reading on this topic and, and learning about it and if you're the sort of person that feels like well this is who I am then you're kind of stuck that's a fixed mindset this is a, it's what you got Lord sorry do your best with it a growth mindset well this is just where we've been but there's no predetermined limit or, or, or definition for what we might grow to so where we've been does not define us it just like describes our journey so far do not be discouraged if your prayer life is a zero maybe you put like a negative five on one of these all the way off the chart and just like circled that because you knew man this is hurting awesome what a great moment of clarity to say there's really a time and a place and a specific thing Father God could we make this our second half game plan I would love nothing more than for each of us to just walk away with one thing and then guess what we're going to talk at the end of the year again it'll be December I'll have a last Sunday I think it might actually be Christmas Day I think the last Sunday is Christmas Day this year why do I know that? because I'm a planner and a pastor and you gotta know this stuff Uh, always looking forward but um, yeah I hope we see movement I hope we see different strategies employed I hope we see us coming alongside each other and saying, yeah, that, that, that part of the game you're trying to play that's actually requires three people to successfully navigate that. <laughs> you're not going to win on your own. You've got more than three here. So there's every reason for us to feel like what we're looking at right here is the beginning of something beautiful in the second half. Everything that you wrote down is the beginning of something beautiful. If you'll walk with the Lord, if you'll trust Him, if you'll ask Him to change your life, the second half will be different. It'll be His way. It'll be beautiful because God is so beautiful. So here we read the last scripture, and then we'll close with communion and a song. But let's read it aloud. It's on the page. I saw some of you folding up. I should have warned you. And we're going to read one more scripture aloud. But I do want to read these aloud together. This one's Paul talking to the Christians in Philippi. And he's very gentle with them. I hope that we're gentle with ourselves. I hope that we extend ourselves, Grace. Like for me this morning, like I don't know if you're going to make any sense to anybody, but get up there and say stuff because God's good. <laughs> Like, I hope you ex- say the exact same thing about any of these things. Like I came in as a zero today. <laughs> I came in as a zero because I just like uh... for any of you that know me, I can't operate on no sleep. I do not. I like I functionally shut down. I start to feel sick. I can't think. And I got two hours last night, so I was like, "All right, Father, you're just going to do what you're going to do." But I didn't feel it was like the two hours where you need to call in reinforcements and say, "Hey, I'm fighting and I'm alone. Someone help." I've done that before. I felt like it's no. Just be a zero and then let God do whatever he's going to do. And so that's, that's, yeah, Look, God can do stuff with very little. Read the Bible. You'll see it in two seconds. So Philippi, here's where we get excited about what it can look like. Let's read aloud. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Stop. I'm going to start again. Read it louder. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. All right, stop. Everybody stand up. We're going to read it one more time. It's going to be our, our closing, you know, to the sermon anyway, until we go to communion and song, our closing prayer, our closing anthem, our our bow on this conversation, this gift that God's given us this morning. So let's read it aloud, loudly, church, together. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Please remain standing. Father God, call us upward in Christ Jesus, upward in our thoughts that we would focus on you and not have our eyes just in the the gutter and the dirt that we're standing in. Give us an upward call in terms of our vocation and our ministry and our giftings. Call us upward in those things. Give us a call towards heaven that we'd want to be there even more than we want to be here, but we're going to try to make this place as much like that place while we're here as we can. Give us an upward call that we would raise the bar for how we manage our time, how we exercise self-control, how we pray. May we not settle. Father, may you give us an upward call in our prayer life and our enjoyment of the Bible. May you give us an upward call in our sexuality and in our money and in our trust of you. Give us an upward call in how we care for others. Let us not settle, Father. Let us be holy like you are holy and only you can do it. So we are not there yet, but we strain forward with joy, excited to see what you have in store for us. For the first half of this calendar year, Father, we give you thanks and we confess to you all the areas where we've not been as you wished. We pray that you would forgive us for all those things. We thank you for everything good that happened. I pray that you help us not to live in those successes or failures, but to move forward. Please give us clear vision and calling for this new season that we begin now, a new time frame, a second half of this year. May all things revolving around the center on Maine, may all things revolving around discipleship within this church, may all things revolving around worship and preaching, may all things revolving around singing and giving and mentoring and fellowship. May it be holy in your sight, Father. May you make it holy because only you are holy. So we're excited to see what you will do with, with what we're working on here, Father, and uh, what you can build and invite us to, um, to enter into in the days and months ahead. So we ask your blessing. Please go before us into the second half of this year as we celebrate Lord's Supper. Father, I pray that you would remind us that <clears throat> the cross was not the end of Jesus's game. Halftime for Him as well. May we come to communion. May we come to worship you uh, with expectancy of what is to come which in your grace can be far better than everything that has already gone. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.